Good morning. It is Monday, August 17th, 7.44 a.m. I hope y'all had a good week. I know I did. It was really busy. Huge workload. Um, Lots of good stuff. I got a huge amount of clothes for me. It's, you know, like two large bags of clothes is a huge amount of clothes for me because I have a small space. Um, and I'm like still processing them. And I got a bunch of books. And I sold almost all of the books. So I'm going to be shipping today. Yay! It's fabulous. Um, I want to continue to work on the series Portland Ben Racist. So there's two more episodes left of that. Um, However, I did not get a chance to research last night or this morning. Even though I went to bed around 10 last night, I woke up at one in the morning with insomnia and didn't get back to sleep until about five. So I I just needed that extra time to sleep um but I will be back on Portland's ass next week um however as I go looking for vintage gems and cool books to to present to my customers I have come across some covertly racist literature, and I want to preface this segment with a trigger warning and a content warning. Um, There will be references to violence, microaggressions, and... I think that's that's pretty much I think that's what it covers and there will be reference to racial slurs. So on Thursday I found a bunch of spiritual books and I was very excited because the customers love spiritual books and so do I. Um one moment. They love spiritual books, and so I I grabbed, like, I don't know, 16 of them or something. But in lumped in this big pile of books that I was sifting through, there were about six Native American indigenous people-related spiritual books. And at a glance, they looked cool. There was a one with a picture of a shaman and on it, and then there was another one with a shapeshifter, and there was another one with a picture of someone performing a what looked to be a ceremony, like a ceremonial dance. And so at a glance, I was kind of taken in. There was also an oracle deck that... 
seem to be related kind of in the same genre of like indigenous and native American. But when I picked up the books, I was really disheartened at what I found. All the those books were that like were printed between 1986 and like 2005. And they were all written by white people. And the titles were such, How to Find Your Spirit Animal. The Oracle deck featured different, um, I guess, things, objects that are related to ceremonial practices in indigenous culture, such as a feathered headdress, um, a bow and arrow, tomahawks, things that kind of went into stereotypical symbology, um, if that's a word, but that's what the deck was all about. And that was written by a white person. And then there were just several straight up books of native wisdom, as they called it, written by white men. And then there was a book of what appeared to be indigenous astrology, um, but it turned out to just be something that was based on symbols. And it was, an, it was a zodiac that the author had made up and was, quote, you know, inspired by indigenous culture. I was just, I was glad that they had been discarded, that the books had been discarded, but I was also really bothered by what I saw. And then in another, in another box, there was a kid's book of Uncle Remus tales, um, which if you guys are not familiar with that, Uncle Remus was a fictional character who embodied and kind of became like an archetype slash stereotype of a, quote, good enslaved person who was benign, a benign older man who told stories to and entertained white children and was docile and, you know, just constantly offered free emotional labor and time and energy. Um, And the stories are kind of like, kind of somewhat based on Aesop's fables. And, but they're full of like, colloquial vernacular and they're set in a like a country rural setting so I'm glad that the that book was disposed of as well Um, because that book did a lot of damage even though it's a kid's book it perpetuated the very false notion of a quote happy enslaved person um, who was just benign and, and didn't really, um, mind 
the situation that they were in. Um, of docility. Um, kids' books are usually the most full of, like from older eras, are the most full of overt and covert racism. And there's so much of it in the older kids' books. I would, you just have to sift through every single book, basically. Um, and I mean, I pretty much have to sift through every single book of every genre that comes in because there's such a huge, because racism is so insidious, <laughs> bluntly said, and it just, you know, it's, it just infiltrates every single facet of thought that we're exposed to, um, I found this really cute kids book at Community Thrift. It was from the 40s. I think it was actually published in 1940. It was children's bedtime stories. Had a, a picture of a colorful little dog and like everything was very, you know, bright. I like those kind of bright technicolor illustrations of vintage kids books. And I was like, oh, this is gonna be a good one. I put it in my basket and when I got it home, the first story, I can't believe I didn't even see this because I just looked at, I literally judged the book by its cover and made a mistake. Um, but the, the first story is about a, a dog named Rastus. Now, the name Rastus is a pejorative. It is used to describe a simple-minded person and and it's a trait and a name that is only it's it's used it's a derogatory name against black people and it's and it perpetuates a false narrative and it's very very damaging and it's doubly dehumanizing that the author of the children's book chose to ascribe that name to a dog. So that book got tossed, you know. Um, I got a book from the 1920s and I haven't thrown it out yet because I wanted to get the title Animal Life, book four of science readers. This is a this is a kid's school book. One, one moment. Thank you. Anyone who said bless you out there? <laughs> um, so this one was published in 1926. It's by the D.C. Heath Company, which is a school book company. I think they're still in business. And they had, you know, a variety of stories about books, uh, stories about, excuse me, stories about animals, all kinds of animals from all over the world. Uh, I got it because it had something about a passenger pigeon in it. And passenger pigeons are extinct. But then when you go to talking about an elephant, it's all about conquering 
and subjugating the animal and killing it and stabbing it and shooting it. And then when they talk about an African lion, it's all about how they arranged a deal with this sinister, quote, chief and his enslaved servants to capture the lion and subjugate it. And it just made me so sad. It made me so sad because I saw a pattern in how they even treat the animals of, of these different countries where they oppress the people as well and the difference you know, and the entitlement and the desire to conquer and, and to dominate. And this is a kid's book. This is a kid's book. This is taught in, this was taught in schools in the twenties for kids to learn about animals, the animal kingdom. And it sent, sent a very clear message to me. So, I could go on, but there's so many more like that. So on that note, just be really careful about every all the information that you're taking in. A lot of a lot of things don't stand the test of time. And when you are reading, because I know a lot of people out there love to read, I love to read be aware of what your what your heart is telling you or if something doesn't quite look right or seem right it probably is because it's not right and you got to dig a little deeper if you have a desire for example to learn more about the spirit world ask the spirit world to teach you and when you see a book out there, which I've seen some of these still, some of these spiritual books still published. When you see a book out there that, you know, is on a, a subject of indigenous wisdom or of any, any other culture than your own, take a look at the author, give them a Google, look and see who wrote this and where it's coming from. It'll blow your mind. It really blew my mind with the spiritual books. When I was walking to the post office about, I think it was on Wednesday, I came across a letter. And it was crumpled up, but I could tell that it was a letter because I could see the imprint of the pen on the other side of the page. So it's like, goody sometimes it's not a letter sometimes it's just a school assignment and then I toss it back but this was on 23rd street at South Van Ness one moment and here it goes dear John Gumble, I'm really sorry that I was a meanie last night 
I was stressed and lonely and wanted to share a special evening with you, and I did a very bad job of trying to make that happen. We have been through a lot in 2020, good and not so good. It is another interesting year, and I'm so lucky to get to spend it, joke about it, and one day reminisce about it with my best friend. That's you, in parentheses. I am so happy to have a partner who is strong, reasonable, kind, and caring, especially in moments when I am none of those things. To make up for my shortcomings, I made you cookies and got you a few items to demonstrate my care and how much I love how sweet you are. Love, Emmer. P.S. Will you fill out the census with me? I love you so much. I want to get the government involved. <laughs> Ooh, I can see why that one was crumpled up. It was a lot. It was a lot. Maybe the sender crumpled it and they're like, nah, I'm going to start over. That's a little corny. Or it might have been the receiver of the note. And they're like, ooh, how do I find a way to move out? I need a new roommate. This is psychotic. It's hard to... It's hard to know how it ended up in my hands, exactly. I mean, we we all know that I found it on the street, but how did it get there? You know what I mean? I love little mysteries like that. Um, my hot take that nobody asked for is that the receiver tossed it and that the writer had a meltdown over something, maybe accused them of something, um, didn't think that they were gushing over dinner as much as they would have liked, um, or were mad that that the receiver of the letter didn't get home in time. Those are my, that's my thing. And then the, they felt bad about it, so they wrote them this somewhat cloying letter, which to me is just so funny. It's just, I mean, I am not judging or hating, but yeah, it is interesting. I love finding letters, and it seems like people just toss them everywhere in my neighborhood. Oh, God. The mission has been very, very warm lately. Like, over warm, as in hot. Normally, in August, it is cold. It's down to usually about 55 or 60 degrees. But we've been having like 90-something degree weather uh, for the past few days. And I think that's part of why I woke up in the middle of the night. I was just hot. The fan wasn't cutting it. Oh, Lord. Um, so everything is just a little bit less fun <laughs> in that respect. When it's so hot, it's soggy, you know. Um, on Saturday, I went and had cocktails at Anne's rooftop patio and that was very refreshing we had pims cups two each we had some veggies from the veggie plate and some little salami or chorizo slices and it was so nice catching up it was a huge treat one that I will never take for granted because it felt so nice to sit down and have a cocktail and just talk with my friend and catch up and laugh about stuff. Um, it was really great. I want 
to the mission bar on Friday and tried to meet up with Mitz and Anne then, but it, because there's no booth or tables or anything, and you're just kind of standing out there, it's like anyone can just come up and talk to you on the street or people, other customers will just like come up and just start interrupting your conversation or assuming that you're there to talk to them and they just they just go off and like you're just stuck there I mean you can leave the sidewalk but you're just kind of like oh god you know you have to finish your drink and so you're just there until you finish your drink and I'm just like yeah I don't need this I am bummed because I didn't get to really talk much to Mitz um who I went there to see. But there's always a next time. Um, It's funny, I thought people kind of had an idea of what cocktail party rules were, which are, you mingle. Like, you don't, if you're, you know, going to cut in on a conversation, which is not recommended, and you're at a cocktail party, you, you just say, oh, pardon the interruption, it's so good to see you, blah, 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 and then move on. And you don't like cut into a conversation that someone is trying to have and just insert yourself like that and stay and make people talk about what you want to talk about, especially if you're a total stranger. Um, it's just not done. It's not done. It's not, it's not good cocktail behavior. Um, and I'm not using cocktail party as a fancy term or anything just like you know it's kind of like a cocktail party when all these people are just kind of standing around and mingling so oh lord the minutia of life um i finished making my pearl headdress i want to go to the soma tomorrow with kirsty we're going to go to the bead shop together I want to get some memory wire and I think I want to make, and I want to get some more pearls, freshwater pearls. And I think I want to make a, like a breastplate, but have it be like a sentence. And the thing that came to my mind was, you are the one that I love. And I thought that would make a cool breastplate. So a breastplate is basically like an apron for your chest. Um, if you look it up, yeah, it's usually square. So I'm thinking of making something cool like that that you can also like hang on the wall. Who knows what, what I will do. Um, I've got to get started on the shipping. I have someone possibly coming to help me at 10. And I appreciate you guys listening. I will be back next week with... Part four of PBR, Portland Ben Racist. Love you guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye.